ప్రేమస్వరూపులైన విద్యార్థులారా విద్యాబోధకులారా విద్యాభిమానులారా I am like the roaring lion in the dream. My roaring will wake you up from the stream into reality. This is The Lion's Roar, the DSI podcast all about understanding the teachings of Satya Sai Baba in their truest form. Over the green sweeping fields we saw beneath us a babbling river as blue as the sky we fly until in the distance we see a small speck on a hill we draw closer and we see a man seated calmly tranquil watching over the crops in the field the man's name is Tukaram we see the little birds chirping cheerfully at him bearing news of the coming day the playful calves in the field pull on his dhoti nudging at his leg they say hello to him too the birds flit onto his shoulder as tuka hugs each of the calves warmly in greeting and yet and yet tuka's mind is elsewhere what does tuka see He doesn't see the sweet birds, nor the gentle cows, nor the undulating pastures. All he sees is his Pandurangā. Pandurangē. Tuka sings. Oblivious to the nature around him. The cares of the world, his job on the field. Tuka He sings to the Lord with palms folded, hands above his head, tears running down his cheeks, lost in the ecstasy of devotion. Until the landlord comes by to see how the field is doing, and as it happens, instead of luscious green crops. All he sees is Tuka dancing and singing in a field that has been ransacked by animals. Enraged, the landlord berates him. Tuka, you have caused such a great loss. Look at this field. Poor Tuka. He didn't mean it. But as you might guess, this wasn't the first or last time Tukaram had become oblivious to some earthly task in his love for God. and this of course led to a very exasperated wife how did things pan out at the peak of her frustration sairam everyone it's nishevita here we spent a little bit of time on what the senses are and how we treat them today we jump into a very sweet method of sense control Let's travel back to the field for a funny insightful story that Swami tells of Tukaram and his wife. Tukaram was a Maharashtrian saint. He had a family, a wife and children, and even though he wasn't interested in worldly affairs, he took some effort to look after them. He had a small plot of land that he cultivated and 
one year, his neighbours convinced him to plant sugarcane for his crop. Time passed and the sugarcane was fully grown, at which point people passing by would decide to help themselves to a cane and chew on it. They knew that the generous Tukaram wouldn't mind. Finally, one day he decided to harvest whatever was left and he bundled it up, threw it in his cart and off he went on his way home. As he was travelling through town, the little kids in the village would all run up to the cart and say to him, Grandpa, can we please have a piece? The kind-hearted Tuka would gladly give them a piece of sugarcane. In this way, by the time he got home, there was only one piece left in the cart. Let's listen to Swami tell this next part. His wife saw the cart. She said, what is this? You're bringing only one sugar cane? If you can't provide sustenance and provide for the family, why on earth did you marry me? If you go on like this, sacrificing for others, how can the family survive? She used all this abusive language against Tukaram, took hold of the sugar cane, and then she whacked him on the head. The sugar cane broke into three. Two pieces on the floor and one left in her hand. Tukaram was very happy. He said, On my way home, I had so many things on my mind, and today, all of the problems are solved. When I had only one piece of sugar cane, I was wondering how could I divide this between my wife and two children. Well, now the two pieces on the floor are for the children and the piece in hand is for my wife. My problems are all solved. Cracker of a story, eh? But if you're like me, you're probably wondering, what does it have to do with sense control? I suppose the most common form of sense control that we know of is desire control. They've almost become synonymous. And that's definitely one aspect of it. But there's also this gang who do their part in polluting the Indriyas or our senses. Swami points out in a discourse in Prashanti Nilayam on February 23rd, 2006, that we should be careful not to taint our senses with all six enemies. You're probably familiar with this infamous six, karma, krodha, etc. Or maybe you know them by their other names, lust, anger, greed, pride, attachment and jealousy. Well, these guys taint the senses with their insidious conversations and promptings too. We've let these qualities become our motivators. But like the thief desire, 
The enemies too are thieves of our internal peace. It's these dodgy friends that stir up the senses, which after all, are only meant to be measuring instruments. To take us back to Discourse 4, right before he shares Tukaram's story, Swami makes the statement, There is a method by which the demands of the senses can be reconciled and harmonized. This is by treating both good and bad with equal mindedness. We've heard Swami talk about equanimity before, and maybe we know what it means to be equal minded conceptually. But do we sometimes use it as a buzzword, a disclaimer that we add onto the end of our sentences? Like when we have a massive rant and then we end with, oh, this is so frustrating, but. It's cool, I'm totally fine with it. Or, it's all God's will, whether we truly mean it or not. Swami shows us that this isn't what equanimity is. In our version of equanimity, we've already categorized the event as good or bad, and then we try to retrofit this equanimous label to our perception of it. Swami says that some great souls like Tukaram have the capacity to bear and adjust and control the senses. Tukaram's complete and undivided focus on God is what allowed him to see past what was good and what was bad and elevated him beyond the pull of the senses. If what we saw of Tukaram was real equanimity, then it might feel near impossible to be in the state of equanimity that he was in, where the assessment of good or bad doesn't even happen for us to then apply our two cents. Swami preempts our uncertainty and he assures us, you need not feel disheartened with the fear that you will not be able to control the senses. By developing pure, one-pointed devotion and having complete surrender to God, the senses can definitely be brought under control. And this, this is the key. Love, devotion, bhakti. Pure, unselfish, one-pointed devotion and complete surrender to God. That's all it takes. Why hold the burden of control in our hands when we can give it over to Swami? In the discourse audio, Swami uses a powerful phrase, the Shakti of Bhakti. While we all know that Swami is the master of pithy phrases, let's take a deeper look at this, the power of devotion. It's almost like Swami is saying that devotion to God gives us an energy or power that is beyond us. This divine strength is the unbreakable backbone of our control. It's actually a really powerful place to be in. We don't have to rely on our own strength. We have Swami. Anyway, turns out we're at some sort of saintly parade because Swami brings another friend to the table here, the great Saint Kabir, who, like Tukaram, was constantly in a state of devotion. But unlike Tukar's situation, Kabir's wife was, to quote the discourse, made of a different stuff. 
Kabir's backstory is actually very fascinating. He was found and raised by a Muslim weaver, initiated into the name of Rama by his guru, Ramananda, and identifying with neither religion, Kabir was a saint who was beyond it all, beyond what we might comprehend are the dictates of saintdom. It was around noon and Kabir was plying his hand loom chanting Ram, 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 all the while when his thread snapped. He called out to his wife, The thread's broken! Please light and bring me a lamp. Swami at this point tells us how the sun was at its zenith, it was midday and there was totally no need for a lamp. When she brought it, Kabir said, Ah, oh, there's no need, take it back. Achiki Swami then explores all the different responses the wife could have made to her husband. Have you no eyes to see the daylight? Why did you waste my time and effort by unnecessarily asking me to bring a lighted lamp and then taking it back? Do you think I don't have anything else to do? But Kabir's wife, she didn't say any of this. She silently took back the lamp without a murmur or a single word of resentment. Swami says that Kabir offered his gratitude to God for giving him such a good partner in life. With such a dutiful wife, Kabir was able to develop his devotion unhampered. So let's ask ourselves something. Why does Swami put these two stories side by side? Here are two saintly men who lived in very different familial situations, yet they were both able to pursue the path of spirituality perfectly well. Swami asserts with these examples that the environment doesn't matter when it comes to sense control. With a little glimpse into the lives of these great men, we see that regardless of their situation, both were able to exist in a state of devotion, which then expressed itself as equanimity and abject sense control. It is the purity of one's impulses, sincerity of purpose, and determination in treading the divine path that counts rather than the environment, which is of little or no consequence in this regard. Swami prods us to ask ourselves, how sincere are we in achieving the purpose of this birth? How determined are we to walk the path of God? I know, it's intense, and that's the reality of it, intensity. Kabir and Tukaram and all the other paragons of devotion and love that we've met didn't get anywhere they got to by being lightweights. But before we throw the towel in and say this is all too hard, let's remember Swami's already given us the key, the Shakti of Bhakti. It's as if this key is a master key because ultimately Sense control isn't really the aim of devotion, but pure devotion also happens to make the pull of the senses lose its hold on us. Because when our attention is fully on God, it can't be on sense pleasures at the same time, can it? Having placed the key in our hot little hands, in the next part of the discourse, Swami takes us on a tour. He points out tricky windows, side doors, that is, Swami lays out some practical tips for how to approach sense control. And there's more to it than simple abstinence. 
we are caught in our own exciting battle saga, rife with origin stories, deceptions, the sting of sorrow, lords, and yep, you guessed it, horses for courses. So until then, stay awesome.